Welcome to The State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach, hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state watching and talking to the blue chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. Mike, welcome in this week. Yes, Happy New Year, Bobby. Uh, we haven't happy- talked since before Christmas. Yeah, well, we've talked, just not on a podcast. Right. <laughs> Officially, right? Right. Um, but uh, I know you've been busy uh, uh, going to all-star games dealing with coaching changes, all of these things. And I, I want to start um, with probably the most pressing thing, and then I want to get into to what you thought of the kids at the, at the All-Star Games uh, and, and what I, the feedback I received from some of the national experts uh, in uh, uh, 424-7. But uh, let's start with the hottest topic, Mike, if you don't mind, and that's your feedback right now on the – somewhat tenuous situation surrounding assistant coaches. Yeah, just, you know, when I talk to guys and I I took the opportunity, you know, going to those all-star games is great because I feel like you get the opportunity to mix with a lot of people from across the country and you can kind of feel people out and get outside of your own little bubble and and your own little view, uh, your viewpoint and echo chamber and kind of talk to them, bounce ideas off of guys. When I talked about assistants or or guys who could be up for jobs, I always look at it, you know, I understand that they have got an all-around job to do as far as recruiting and and coaching, but I kind of always look at it from the recruiting angle myself. Um, so a lot of my opinion on coaching comes from, uh, you know, which guy could be the best recruiter. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I have been able to you know, – Chip, Chip Brown's been been killing the uh, the reporting for us over at Horns 24-7 on the new coaching staff and, and how it's coming together. But I've been able to chime in and add a little bit there just on, on names I've heard off and on. Um and so, I mean, I, I think a, a couple of them are up in the air. One I really like and, and we've been talking about for a long time is uh, Emmett Jones, the Kansas wide receiver coach, um, who is uh, originally a South Dallas guy and um, a guy that I think that Texas is showing some interest in. Um, he, I think that well, – You know, I, I want to take this not necessarily into a situation of talking about the individual coaches – but what are the what are, what are the reactions of the recruits that are left on the board this year? First of all, and then second of all, how is this setting up for future years? When I mean that you know you basically recruit a year in advance now. Right. Um, how does that uh, how does that work um, in a situation where now these new Texas assistants are going to be behind? In some ways. So. Well, let's also throw in the factor that more and more kids are deciding early now with the early signing period. More and more kids are deciding in the summer. So Texas isn't going to have the benefit of a next season to show a lot of this group, this class of 2021. And you know, actually somebody asked me about that the other day. And, um, you know, as far as 2020 recruiting, I think that they're fortunate in that a lot of the guys still on the board are guys that I think are interested in the school more than a specific coach. When you look at 
um, Alfred Collins, although I do think losing Oscar Giles would, would be a big blow in that recruitment. Um, when you look at Kilvante Dixon, who's lost every coach recruiting him so far and is still seems uh, very interested in visiting, um, you know, the, a lot of guys like that, I think that they can still kind of target in this 2020 class and, and get. But in 2021, they're just going to have to get really creative. I mean, they're going to have to. And, and schools do it every year. I mean, um, you know, a lot of times new staffs have to come in and sell kids without the benefit of, of on-the-field production. And, um, you know, Texas is going to have to do that this year. They're going to have to get that new staff active. That's why I do think it is incredibly important to hire guys like Emmett Jones, who I mentioned, or or look at guys who can make recruiting impacts like that because you're going to need them early. Um, and you're going to need to – I think they're going to be playing a much more defensive game in 2021 as far as like getting some guys to hold off on making decisions until the fall. That's going to be a lot more important than having them make decisions for them. Um, you know, luckily they've already got a core group put together in 2021. Guys like Jalen Milrow, Billy Bowman, Jatavian Sanders, a lot of high end talent. Um, but you know, I think that the, you know, the next couple of weeks is going to be huge when it comes to that. And it sounds like they're going to, uh, have a big, uh, junior visit, uh, on the 18th of January. Yeah. You broke the news of that junior visit, uh, earlier this week. I think that was a uh, great reporting by you. Um, let me ask you this and, and, and I think you brought up a good point. Uh, so if you bring in, so just use Emmett Jones as an example. He has pre-existing relationships with some of the same kids that Texas would be recruiting anyways. So that allows him to hit the ground running. Some of these guys don't. I mean, Chris Ash and Mike Yersich probably didn't have uh, a lot of pre-existing relationships. They're the only two that have been hired thus far. Uh, it does sound like Oscar Giles is going to be retained. Uh, news broke today that, that uh, uh, Stan Drayton is going to talk to the Cowboys uh, about their open running backs uh, coaching position. Uh, so there's still some balls in the air. Uh, I, I think that it'll be interesting to me if uh, a couple things. One, if – Tom Herman does go with some guys that have some pre-existing relationships in the state of Texas and with existing players that they can call on uh, because I think that could help bridge the gap. The second piece here is uh, could this precipitate a move by Texas to find and go after maybe some some places outside the state again Uh, because when you're behind the eight ball and uh, these things happen. I mean, it, it it looks like to me sometimes Texas is better served going out of state, whether it's – I mean, they, you know, we we talk about how some guys didn't pan out, but Chris Adamora and, and Kenyatta Watson uh, have a chance to be fixtures in the Texas secondary. So that, that worked in that regard. Jake Smith, um, after he got over his homesickness, I think is, is clearly going to work out for Texas if he if he's indeed stays. Uh for his career at Texas during the entire time. And so um, you, we can look at it back and forth. B. John Robinson's another one that uh, is, is coming in. So as much as there was attrition around some out-of-state guys, particularly from the state of California, early in, in this process, I wonder how much that will push Texas out of state in the cl- for the class of 2021. Certainly a thought. Um, you know, it's kind of hate to do it with as talented as this 2021 class is in state, but 
Uh, Reality is you have to find, you know, the great players wherever you can find them and put your class together. Um, I think that when you get back to talking about, you know, what Mike Yurcich and and Chris Ash, yeah, they don't have those previous relationships. I think that, you know, when it comes to the hires, I think you do have to mix some guys who do have those relationships and Emmett Jones or a, uh, maybe a tyrant carrier or something like that. But I think you also just got to find good recruiters. Like good, Bobby, you know as well as I do, good recruiters can recruit. And it, and I think sometimes we place maybe a bit too much emphasis on on ties to a certain area. I mean, it certainly does help when you've got a guy like Jeff Trailer in East Texas. That certainly is a leg up. But in the long run, good recruiters can recruit well. And, and so I think that they've got to find a mix of guys who can go national and local and um, it's going to be a, a pretty a pretty good high wire act to put this class, uh, this group together and have them in place and, and off and running to finish twenty twenty and then get a, a jump on twenty one. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it bears some watching about what Texas won't be the only staff that has some coaching turnover. Baylor's already lost its head coach. A um, and M it looks like could lose an assistant to, uh, or two to the NFL or a number of different places. So. It's not like um, there's not a uh, uh, it's not a, a solely negative on Texas. There are other mitigating issues and factors to to consider. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, as it looks right now, where does Texas go with some of these guys? I, I have another question for you before we go into the All Star Game too, Mike. That I think are is there anybody since Ash and Yersey? <coughs> took control I guess officially on Monday are you hearing of anybody that either of those two guys behind the scenes really like that maybe the previous Texas staff or or, um, Tim Beck or Todd Orlando weren't necessarily hell-bent on trying to get uh, in that category I don't know if there's anybody that they weren't. I, I know that they were, you know, Texas did offer Kevontre Bradford, the running back from Lancaster, uh, before the Christmas break. Uh, Kevontre just doesn't really post offers, so we kind of found out about it in the last week or two. Um, but I, I know Texas wasn't incredibly enamored with him uh, throughout the season um, under Beck, and, and I think that that may change. You may see him make a, a stronger push there. I think the biggest news is that they are trying to very much get back in on Princely Uman Milan. Uh, the Maynard defensive lineman who was previously committed to Texas. Uh, there may be an opening there with Matt Rule gone from Baylor. Baylor was one of the hot schools. I think that you know schools like Auburn and Florida State will also factor in there. But um, Texas is, is doing what they can to get back into that race and push now that they're running a four-man defensive front. Interesting. So the young, he was originally committed to Texas, backed out of it after what we think was some uh, – uh, subterfuge, I guess, on on behalf of maybe some some guys that that were unhappy at Texas at the time. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some guys who okay. were, who were previously at Texas and are no longer there that were unhappy as well. Okay, gotcha. So let's uh, I guess let's let's uh, anything else you want to add before we head into this All Star Game stuff, Mike? Just that I, you know, I'd really they they I would really stress timing of this. I think that they need to get everything pretty much into order. I know that they've got a lot of slots to fill, but they got to start putting a staff together because, you know, the dead period lifts uh, Monday. They can start hosting official visitors that week. I I believe they'll have some guys in that that following weekend. And, you know, it's going to be a very busy January. Um, 
they're going to throw the elite day in there as well. February will kick right into junior days and into 2021. So um, the staff's not going to have a lot of time to catch their breath, whoever they are. Yeah, and I think and this is uh, fair. I mean, the the National Coaches Convention is this week uh, in Nashville. Um, and so coaches typically take at least one day to go to that. Head coaches don't necessarily go, but the assistants typically do to, to network. Um, at the same time, we know that Texas is interviewing several candidates for each position uh, this week in Austin. So, you know, how that's going to play out in, in timing-wise, uh, I agree with you. Uh, the only caveat I would put in there, and in, in that's what I would agree with, is that you want them to be out on the road next week. The only caveat I would put on that is if one of them is not hired by that time frame, um, I would not be sad if indeed um, Brian Carrington remained on the road for an extra week or two. Yeah, I'm not saying so, the whole the whole staff needs to be in place, but you need to have a pretty good idea of what you have going forward because you're going to be answering a lot of questions next week. You need what they call a quorum. Right. <laughs> you need about you need about 65 you percent. Know? Right. You need at least seven seven of ten, something like that, of the assistants. So. Yeah, I get it. So, Mike, let's let's start uh, our all-star game discussion with the one you were at all week, um, the Ar- of what used to be the Army All-American Bowl down in San Antonio. Yeah, we had a good time. Uh, the 24-7 staff always uh, comes in there pretty deep. Um, and I think that uh, – you know, I think that we generally do a good job of covering that game top to bottom as well as anyone. And um, I think we had maybe 12 guys there from the network. So, uh, you know, if, if I wasn't able to see a guy in person on a certain day, um, I could always rely on one of our other guys to, uh, to kind of give me their thoughts and opinions on them. So uh, we had it pretty well covered all the way around. And it's always a fun week in San Antonio, you know, getting to talk to parents, coaches, all that sort of thing. But uh, Texas had four uh, signees there and, and a big target now for Collins. Um, I can just kind of go down the list of, of what I saw from each of them. Uh, the, the biggest name there was Bijan Robinson, who, uh, you know, Bobby, you, you would call and check in with me periodically during the week. And like I told you, these settings just don't benefit running backs. Um, I think that in the long run. Uh, I, I want to say this. It's not even that they don't benefit running backs. You don't get a true tell of what the running back is. I mean, it's it's impossible because there's no inside drill. I mean, they're not going to run those guys in there. Like right. That. They did inside run one day, and it was like 50% effort. Um, yeah. They were trying to push it That's, out. You're not going to do that because you don't want to get those kids injured. Right. And I get that, and I, and I appreciate it. But you're just not going to see a ton. I, I think Bijan had one carry, and it went for like 11 yards, and it was a really good carry. And I think it showed a little bit of what he can do. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's really hard to, to take a lot away from that setting. And so for Bijan, I think that the consensus on him was he looked fantastic in, in practices. Um, when they would do the stuff with him, he was the best receiving back uh, at, the, at the game. Um, from what I was told from guys who saw the East team practice uh, as well. And I, I think that Bijan is is everything we think he is and, and know that maybe what he is. So, um, you know, I think that uh, there's not while there's not a lot you could take away from the game, I wouldn't be worried about him. Um, can, I, can I say something? Let me, sure. let me say something. I'm going to interject with what I have. And when I talked to Barton Simmons, uh, who's our director of scouting at 24-7, 
about these kids. I want to interject as you go down the list because I, and just add the one piece that I think because you're hitting, you're I I feel confident you're going to hit on most everything that that anybody needs to know about these kids. But just hearing a second voice sometimes can help and to give you a better sense of who that player is. And the one thing that Barton said that I thought was interesting, he he echoed your sentiments by the way about him as a receiver. I mean, he loved him. Thought he was well put together and all this other stuff too. But he said that uh, the thing that surprised him the most was that he was that Bijan was getting rave reviews as a kid, not just from his own coaches and other players, but from other coaches that were around him. So I thought that was an interesting kind of thing. And he called him a high ceiling, high floor type of place, type of player. In other words. He's he's got a, a, a high high ceiling, like he can be as good as he wants to be, but he's also already pretty darn good, and that means he has a high floor. So yeah, that's as, I thought that was interesting. That's as close to saying can't miss as there is, and I yep. I hate to say the words yep. can't miss because I mean how many have we seen that have missed? But to me, Bijan is, uh, and I've talked about this when I went out to see him, just a special person as as much as anything. I mean, I think we overuse the good player, but a better person thing a lot. That's Bijan. I mean, he is uh, a fantastic kid. And I think ultimately immediately gains the respect of anyone around him. He just kind of has a presence about him. And, um, you know, I, I, I laughed with our Georgia writers all week as we followed the Zach Evans uh, saga and thought, you know, I, I nothing against Zach, but uh, they're just polar opposites of each other and how funny it is that it ended up working out for Texas that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Barton has nailed it right on the head there. Um as far as uh, offensive line, Andre Carrick was was in attendance. He was a guy that I really thought Bobby was going to come in and, and blow the national guys away because I've seen how good he can be, um, and uh, maybe even you know shoot up the rankings a little bit. And he came in, and the measurements uh, really went against him. He measured shorter and with shorter arms than I expected him to. Um, I, I thought he was about six five, uh, two seventy five with some length, and he turned out to be about six four and a half. Uh, 270, 272, and his arms were among the shortest of guys there. Um, and talking to our guys, I think that, you know, that would probably relegate him to more as an interior player. I think he's got about the same length as Connor Williams had, so he could technically play on the outside in college, maybe play on the inside in the NFL. Still, a really, I thought he had a really good week um, as far as just showing all the strengths of his game, uh, his footwork, his technique, his lateral quickness was, was second to none out there. Um, but I, I think that uh, I expected probably, I maybe it, it's probably my fault for putting those expectations on him apropos of nothing, but um, I, I think that I expected him to have a much bigger week. Yeah, I, I tell you what, the one thing Barton said is he, he said he actually had the shortest arm length of anybody there. I don't know that Barton really double checked that, but that's that's something that he had to say about the the young South Lake Carroll kid. Uh, you want to talk about Prince Dorba next? Prince Dorba was probably the kid I came away most um, affected by because I think I saw well, he, I got to see him do something I've never seen him do. You know, he's always been a hand down three man front, strong defensive end, and uh, this week played as an off the ball linebacker, which I thought he looked. You know, he didn't blow anybody away. It wasn't like oh man, Prince is amazing, 
But he also didn't look lost out there. For a guy who's never played the position and was lining up against elite talent, there were a couple times they had a joint practice uh, midweek between the East and the West and did uh, like one-on-ones with the running backs. There were a couple times he lined up one-on-one with running backs and coverage drills and uh, three or four times, you know, knocked the pass down and stayed with the guy, which, uh, you know, it's nothing that I doubted he could do because he's an athletic kid. I've just never seen him do it. So um, I think I was most impressed with just the way he kind of naturally – grew into that. He's just got a lot of natural athleticism to him, and I think it kind of fit wherever they need him. Gotcha. I, I think that uh, I, I really like him um, and have for a while because I think no matter what position you play, if you can get after the quarterback, uh, coaches typically will find a way to get you on the field. Um, and, and so I, he was all, he's always been one of my favorite players in the entire state. Um, just because I always felt like he had that little something extra that can that get, get him. The thing that Barton mentioned almost everything that you did, the, the thing that Barton also mentioned that was it, it, it kind of cements your feelings, I think, is this. He said that he didn't notice Prince once the pads went on, really, in, in 11 on 11 settings. He didn't notice him in a negative way. But he also didn't notice him in a positive way. And so that being said, you it's kind of did he get lost in the shuffle a little bit, playing with his hand off the ground, not rushing the passer as much. And and I, I think that's a that's probably a fair assessment. And I think like running backs, linebackers get marginalized in these games because they do play a very uh, they don't want to, they're, Vanilla. they're not going to mix up and run a ton of blitz stuff because they don't want to get kids hurt. They don't want blindside hits on the Completely quarterback. Vanilla. Well, there's yeah. limit. There, I think there's limits. Yeah. On, actually, game limits that the, you know, you can get called for blitzing basically as, as a penalty in those games. Right. So I think that, you know, at, like running backs, linebackers can often, you know, disappear in these settings as well. And I, I would agree with Barton. There was nothing that jumped out once the pads went on. But Prince is not going to be a guy who takes on the point of attack and you know blows up the front and sorts through and makes a tackle. He is a space guy, and, and that's where he's really going to make his money. So, um, yeah, I think, that, uh, I think that Barton's probably dead on there. Um, outside of Prince, Xavier Alford was there. He did not really participate in team drills. He only uh, participated in individual drills. He was waiting to be cleared uh, from a knee injury that plagued him all year. And he kind of used it as an opportunity to just get back in pads and run a little bit and do some individual stuff and um, and work back. And he told me he was uh, supposed to be cleared as soon as he got back to Houston and would be ready to roll as soon as he enrolled in Austin, which would be this week, I believe. Um, and uh, so I think that there's nothing really to, to take away um, from that. But I, outside of those guys, Alfred Collins was – was really the biggest draw for us. Um, and I think that in some ways Alfred surpassed my expectations and in some ways he, he uh, d- you know, didn't. And um, I think that for Alfred, his biggest thing is he's so big, he's strong. He showed a way quicker first step than I thought he had, um, it, which made me think he could maybe stick outside in some fronts. But, uh, you know, there are still there's still a lot of raw to his game. You know, he is still uh, not great with his hands. He still doesn't play with great pad level. Um, and, and I think at times, you know, they could they could negate his size advantage with just playing with better leverage uh, opposing offensive linemen could. But still, there were times when he flashed and it was it was absolutely sensational. And so. 
you know, for me, really, I think that Alfred, uh, if I had to go net-net on the week, I think proved himself and, and is probably due for a, a rankings bump. Yeah, uh, I, I think that everybody was amazed by the way Alfred Collins looked. <laughs> that that was kind of, like, I mean, essentially um, what they said was there were two guys between the two bowl games that if you want them first off the bus, one was Alfred Collins and one was Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Las Vegas, that uh, they just – they felt like they had football bodies, arm length, everything you could possibly want. And so uh, we'll have to see. Is Texas still looking good for him, especially now that they kept uh, – Oscar, and now that Oscar Giles is remaining on staff? I think so. I think that, um, you know, it's it's a battle with Oklahoma. Baylor's been in there, but I always thought Baylor was kind of third in that battle. And I uh, talked to Alfred after Matt Rule left Baylor, and it sounds like that was going to – that's kind of going to be a nail in the coffin for the Bears – um, Matt Rule's leaving, but I think that I, from what I picked up this week or last week, um, you know, I think that I feel as good right now about Alfred to Texas as I have. And that's, you know, another big part of the story, Bobby, was uh, from the moment the Texas signees arrived, they looked like Alfred Collins was the president and they were his secret service agents. They surrounded him everywhere he went. Um, if you were walking out and about <laughs> along the Riverwalk, you would see Alfred and he would never be without Bijan, Prince, or Xavier, at least one or two of those guys next to him or, or Andre. Um, watched the bowl game with him in the room. I mean, it was just everywhere. There was, and you know, I don't know ever how much stock to put into that kind of stuff, but I think it does help. I think that bonds are made at these type of games. And, um, you know, Oklahoma had one commit there, and, and I don't think Alfred said a word to him all week. Um, so, I, you know, for me, I think that the they the those guys came in with a priority to uh, basically kidnap Alfred, and and they did that. Okay, I, I want to say one thing about Xavier and Alfred real quick because, as you know, I grew up down in the Houston area, actually within one one school over from where, or one, uh, I think it's Highway Five Eighteen that runs down there um, from where Xavier Alford goes to high school now. And um, long story short, I was talking to a friend of mine that is uh, a football guy down in that region, and he told me something about Xavier Alford that, that was very, very uh, – he's not – this is guys I've known for, I guess, 35, 40 years now. He said that Alford is a, an absolute football nut, um, and – he thinks he is extremely smart on the football field, like in, in a, at a different level from most kids. Oh yeah. Um, and so he he was like, "Look, I think he's an A athlete, A minus speed, but he goes, I think he's an A plus football guy." So um, something to something to consider. I know he's coming off injury, and we didn't get to see him much this year, but. That's uh, that's what I got on him, Bobby. I would say an A plus plus football guy, one of the smart, maybe the smartest football kid I've ever met in my life. Um, and a funny story about that was we were we you know we get to do check in, so we have exclusive rights to the players. As soon as they check in, they come sit down with us for interviews. And Xavier came through, and I've talked to him, and I've known Xavier forever, so I've known how good his brain is. It's something I've mentioned on a number of times. Is I love his field awareness and his intelligence and understanding 
understanding of the game more than anything in his arsenal. And so I'm talking to him, and, and Jeff Howe is there uh, from our site and helping me out with some stuff, and he's doing some team-oriented content. And I'm asking um, Zavin Alfred about Chris Ash, and he starts breaking down his defense. And so I stop him, and I go, you're going to need to go talk to Jeff. Um, and I turn around to Jeff, and I said, Jeff, just test him on football. Like, ask him football questions. And by the time, and I, I was just hearing snippets of it while I was talking to other kids, but, you know, I, I can hear him going, well, yeah, I went back and watched Chris Ash's uh, 2015, I think it was, national championship game when Ohio State won and um, watched that defense, and they play quarters most of the time. And uh, they do press a little bit, but you can't press all the time at quarters, and so you've got to get into some, some uh, Tampa 2 and and, and Je- I turn around, and by the time they're done, Jeff is just his jaws dropped to the floor. He is a a football nerd of the highest order, and I think that uh, you know everything your buddy said to you is exactly right. Yeah, it's one thing to be a nerd, and another to be able to translate it, right? Right. Um, on on the field, so uh, I think that's uh, something and, to you know I knew I knew Michael Huff back in the day because we're both guys who came from Irving. Michael Huff was the exact same way. He had an advanced knowledge of the game. And I think that if you talk to Dwayne Aquina, and I have a couple of times, he'll tell you that they, they succeeded not only because Huff was a sensational athlete, but because he was a guy who knew what to do in the back end and get everybody lined up and make sure everybody was going to be in the right position. And I think Xavier and Alfred can have a, a similar type of impact. Yeah, I mean, I look, the most instinctive DB that Texas has had in the last 20 years is Earl Thomas. Um Michael Huff was – he kind of grew into that and became that by hard work. But Earl Thomas, my God, um, he saw things before they happened at safety, and and uh, he's still doing it. He's still <laughs> doing it. Um, all right, let's, let's go over to – let's go over to uh, the game down in Orlando, Under Armour. Uh, several players there. Had to be headlined, though, by the performance of Hudson Card, the quarterback – from Lake Travis. It's, uh, I think he's enrolling this week at Texas. Yeah, and from people I talked to who were in Orlando, Hudson had the best week of any quarterback there. Um, just really smooth, really consistent. Uh, maybe not, you know, superstar throws, but really the guy who just never really saw his play drop off. And so uh, that's kind of what we've come to expect out of Hudson. And uh, that's really what the best part of his game is. And I don't look, we saw some, I think that if you line the the two games up next to each other, the All-American Bowl have far better quarterback play. I think Bryce Young and and DJ Uong, I learned how to say his name this week, so I'm going to try to say it. Uong Lele um, and uh, CJ Stroud were probably the three best quarterbacks in any of those all-star games. But I think Hudson would probably fit in right there uh, with that group. And, um, you know, just really smooth throwing the ball. He made a couple of uh, NFL throws in that game, one of which was negated uh, for like a lineman downfield. And then he comes back on the next play and makes another NFL throw for a touchdown. Um, so I, I think that, hey, you got to be really excited, especially for a guy who, who recently just came off an injury there. Yeah, and I, I, I will say this. The one thing that uh, I talked to Charles Power, who was down there, this week, uh, or last week, excuse me, for the game. He said, and for the practice, he said that uh, Hudson Card was the best quarterback there, in his opinion, and that he thinks Hudson Card, he thinks his arm is underrated. He goes, look, it's not this John Elway thing. It's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But he thinks that Hudson Card's arm is better than what people realize. So just that, he says it's sneaky good. Um, you want to talk about Keaton Crawford next? Yeah, I think uh, people I talked to outside of Hudson Card would tell you that Keaton Crawford probably had the best week of any of the Texas guys 
at uh, at Under Armour. Um, I think he really showed, you know, what kind of physical ability he has. And when you look at, at him and really think about it and say, wow, he hasn't really developed or, or learned a lot of skill and technique, you know, there's a lot of – I think that there's a lot to be excited for there. He's got a great build, um, plays physical. Bobby, you've mentioned a, a couple of times that as a running back, you really love his, you know, his ball skills and uh, feet that come from just playing that position. So uh, kind of a guy who was forgotten because he was kind of quiet and played out in East Texas. But I think uh, as the as the lone cornerback commit in the class right now, you know, really a guy that, uh, that you got to be excited about. Well, I mean, I think – you mentioned that, and again, talking to Charles, he said he went back and looked at every one-on-one rep they filmed the first two days of practice, and he thought Keaton was the third-best cornerback there. You know, out of, out of what, eight corners? Right. All of them, All-Americans, third-best there. And he said the number one thing is speed. He, he has a, a burst um, that allows him to play catch-up. It allows him to get places. Um, the thing that I like about him, first of all, so – we just talked about former Texas players like Earl Thomas, you know, and Michael Huff. You mentioned him. And I, one of the guys that's playing so well right now in the NFL is Quandre Diggs. And Quandre played very little defense in in, in uh, high school. Um, and because of that, almost didn't get a scholarship to Texas. Um, Keaton Crawford played more than that. But my point being, I don't care necessarily if you're 6'2", 6'1". And, and it's not that Keaton Crawford's not a uh, got good size. I care if you make an impact when you play, and if you have that burst, and, and if you're good all around athlete, I think you can play corner. And uh, I think that that Crawford's going to be one of those guys. He, he, I mentioned Quandre Diggs. I'm not saying that he's going to end up being have that kind of impact um, long term because he no, won't necessarily play the same position. But those. Those guys that switch from offense to full-time defense, they're, they have more upside oftentimes because they actually if, – if they can backpedal, that's a big deal. A lot of these guys fail at backpedaling. But, but he had no problem getting out and, and doing his thing. And I, I, I'm uh, – like you said, Charles Power said that he thought that of the guys that had the most stock up for Texas, he felt like Crawford was the guy in, the, in that regard. Uh, you want to talk about Jake Majors, the uh, uh, the guy that started at center uh, at, for one of the squads? Yeah, it's still transitioning to center. He was actually injured during the game and, and had to come out. I think he had a, a finger injury of some sort, kind of minor. But, you know, he wanted to be – his mother told me they wanted to be very cautious with him enrolling this week and wanted to compete. They didn't want to throw anything away, you know, at a – at an all-star game where that could set him back this spring. But I think that, uh, you know, Jake is – Jake, I think if you talk to people there, Jake will have impressed you with his feet, his technique, his athleticism. But I think that there's still uh, a bit of him that's, you know, gets bullied by bigger guys on the interior, and he had a hard time maybe playing with those interior defensive linemen. Yep, that's exactly what uh, what uh, Charles said. He said that uh, he, got ba- he got better when the pads came on when he could start using technique and smarts, uh, but he thought that he needed some seasoning, uh, essentially. Um, one of the guy that Charles liked a lot was uh, Vernon Broughton, the defensive lineman out of uh, Cy Ridge. Yeah, I mean, Vernon is, 
is special when you see him because of his size and ability to move. He's a lot like Alfred Collins, where sometimes he will do some things that look sensational. I think for Vernon, his biggest hurdle is going to be consistency. Um, he doesn't always play like that. His high school film doesn't always look like that. So it's getting that consistent ability out. And, and I don't think it's a motor thing. I don't think it's him being lazy. I just think it's him being newer to football. Um, and, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll make a play and it's, it's absolutely stunning what he can do at his size, but uh, would like to see him do it a little more consistently. That's interesting. I, I think that, you know, from watching that game myself, um, it, it, it is a big step for these kids to go from high school where they can physically dominate somebody to, to college where they can't. Not 90% of the time they can't. I mean, and so that motor or that consistency, I mean, you can't the, – the minute you don't go 100% is the minute they run a trap right right towards you. You know, that minute that, minute that you don't go – that you're not working down the line of scrimmage um, on a stretch play is the minute that guy breaks it for 30 yards. And so you're right. I mean, that, that the consistency for the big guys has to improve almost – 100% across the board. I mean, uh, it's not just Vernon Broughton in that regard. That being said, I thought I thought that uh, Charles was telling me that uh, he saw him he saw Vernon this summer, and he thought that Vernon had improved leaps and bounds from this summer. Um, and I think that's as a guy, as you pointed out, that's relatively new to football. I think that's uh, that's something to for everybody to be aware of too. That means that he's he's still got some meat on the bone, so to speak. Yeah, I, and I would say that that was my thoughts of Vernon all year. Was I just you know I, I loved I love what he can do at his best. I just want to see it a little more consistently. Yep, fair enough. All right, I, Mike, you got anything else for us today? Uh, no, I mean I think that's kind of it. Um, we'll be uh, we're kind of loading back in. It felt like a, a ramp down a little bit around Christmas, and then a crazy week at the uh, you know the. Uh, San Antonio and I think the crossover of having the Alamo Bowl in town during that week made it extra crazy for me just because there are a lot of people I knew in town and um, you know a lot of a lot of stuff to do a lot of people to talk to our our whole at one point Bobby our whole team outside of you was in San Antonio uh, that week so um, you know we're really just kind of grinding back in I've got a Seven on seven starts this week for select seven on seven. I'll be at a pylon tournament in Dallas. Uh, next week we'll have some off season camps for next level athletes. So we're you know it's we don't really sleep over here with recruiting. It's uh, it's kind of a year round sport. Yep, and one programming note: we moved this even. I mean, to add more to your plate there, Mike, we moved our regularly scheduled date from Wednesday to Thursday because you had uh, an illness in your family that you had to go take care of. And uh, so I want people to know that we're going to move back to Wednesday next week and certainly wish you and your, your family well and what, what uh, your mother-in-law I think is dealing with right now. So I uh, hope everything turns out okay there. But um, uh, for everybody else, uh, thank you for, for joining us today. Um, the State of Recruiting is a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach. Uh, The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.